coming up the mountain. So um, we've talked a lot about um, the whole time, particularly as we focus on uh, to the time away with the Clear Sound Conference. And uh, I know I've spoken a number of times and saying we want to we want to go up the mountain, but we don't want to wait until February before we go up the mountain. We want to ascend now. We want to come into a greater part, a greater experience of the presence of God, a greater experience of Him in our lives and us responding to that. We want that to start now. In fact, we want to start that back a while ago. In fact, some of you will remember, I believe it was September 2013, Dave Simmons spoke to us about operating outside the season that we're in. We were coming into autumn, a time of dying, but he said, now this is, this is a time of spring. And, and there is that thing about we don't just necessarily have to follow what's happening around us, but actually we can be aside and, and beyond that. So what I want to do today is I want to look particularly at worship. It's interesting... Um, those of us who were here around before Christmas, Elspeth spoke on the temple and things of worship. I particularly want to come into that. Um, but we're, next week we're going to have another time. We're looking again forward to clear sound and uh, what we want to see happen then. So, now listen, last night I wasn't very well in the middle of the night, right? Um, you know, I had some friends over last night. We ate rich food. We had uh, some alcohol. It was very pleasant, but I am suffering. So if at some point I run out of the meeting, um, if Mark Baden's run out before me, please direct me to another direction. So, but you see, in terms of that, you have to give me some life back, right? I cannot be speaking to Church of the Living Dead today. Right, okay. So, with that in mind, let me call up a volunteer. Now, a volunteer, as some of you will remember, in Lifeline, is someone we choose but don't pay. Right? That's the essence of a volunteer. So, PJ, come forth. Right. Okay. Now, I've always said, and I'm sure Jane will agree, that PJ, from the neck down, is an absolute vision, other than the feet. Right? It's the face that's the problem. So, so let's, let's sort... Funny enough, his head is smaller than you'd think. <laughs> right, there you go. Can you see what that is? Where is it? It's a camel. Right, now a camel... <laughs> a camel needs humps. Okay, Neil, you can come forth and be a hump. Uh, well, that's right. That's, we arranged that. Well done, Debbie. That means I could have a second hump of the same jumper, right? Can someone spot a similar jumper? Uh, I saw you take yours off, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> now, your head is good as a hump. There you go. Come on, Jack. Uh, heck, let's, uh, let's, let's make it an unusual camel because I can't resist young Paisley's jumper either. Come on. Right, okay. That's it. There you go. Stand there. Now, really, really, this is, it's not like a Jamie sermon where the, where the sketch is absolutely integral. I just realised I didn't have enough visual aids. So they're just going to be standing here for the next little while. Um, <laughs> Right, okay. Now, um, a long time ago, um, when I was a young person, oh, sorry, not so long ago when I was a young person, um, there was a, a lady who had particularly, um, particularly been gifted, uh, not only in leading worship, but a kind of prophetic uh, worship. Her name's Lynn Swartz, she's a South African, and she came and spoke about a prophetic picture to our youth at that time, which was based on a picture of the gate of the eye of the needle. Now, Biblical scholars here will say there was no such thing 
in Jerusalem as the gate of the eye of the needle, and I want you to lay that to one side. So Jesus talked about it's more hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is a camel to go through the eye of a needle, right? So people then said, oh, there must have been a gate called the eye of the needle. There wasn't, but there you go. So laying that aside, because I know some people will be sitting there thinking, well, that's not true. Partly what we want to pick up is a picture of worship. is about passing through a tight place, okay? Here is the camel, right? What kind of things, you know, do we see on camels? We see here, we've got some stuff here. Um, we've got some baggage, that kind of stuff. Can we give them some baggage? Let's chuck some baggage here. We'll take your drums. We won't get to the PJ because they'll drop them. There are. There's some baggage. Oh, there's a baggage. Thank you. Good, right. Now, okay, here's a baggage. So to go through to a point of worship, and worship I would define as this, it's ministering to the heart of God, okay? To go through to this tight place, there is a need to get rid of the baggage, what, would, what does baggage signify? What do you think baggage is? We use the term baggage. Things you're holding on to, good. Something else? Hindrances, Hindrances good, yes. Other things? Worries, yeah. Skills. Skills. You're jumping ahead. My wife is trying to jump ahead in my own sermon. I'm not listening to what she says. Right? Sin, that's why I was looking. I'm always looking for a bit of sin. Right, sin, okay. So, the camel, to get it through to this point of worship, needs to get rid of these hindrances. I'll give these back to Anthony. He's going to breathe a sigh of relief. Okay, the camel has to take off its various hindrances, and that kind of thing. But, you, you three back gentlemen can go now. You've, you've done, your, done your job, thank you. Right, and the reason I chose PJ is because actually part of what Lynn was sharing with us is that there's a point where to come through to worship we need to take off the hindrances and stuff. But there's another point... Good, good. There's another point where we have to... We have to I just wanted to check, because where we're going next. Um, <laughs> there, there's another point where actually we, the, the gap is so small that we have to go through naked. Let's take off that jumper, PJ. It's all right, everyone. No, I'll hold this down. Okay. Right. Oh. <laughs> I chose PJ because he was probably the only person here that we really didn't need much imagination to imagine what it was like under the shirt. Okay. <laughs> Some of the gentlemen are looking a little bit hot under the collar here. Right. Okay. See, part of the thing is this. What do clothes signify? Well, clothes signify our giftings, our skills, our ministry, the things we feel God's given us, our roles, all those kind of things. See, here's the point that Lynn was making. When we come to worship and to, and to minister to the heart of God, we don't want baggage. We understand that. We don't want hindrances. We understand that. But actually, a hindrance can also be the things we feel we have to do. I'm a kids worker. I'm a worship leader. I'm a, um, you know, whatever those roles would be. Actually, if we come through to worship God, the point is we come just as us. Not those other bits. Not those other appendages in that sense. Um, it's an offering poured out. We're pouring out ourselves. We are not, uh, we're naked and unhindered, undistracted in our role. It's all about him, it's not about us. 
so often those things we feel that God's given us, it can be, some of us will feel that our job is something that God's given us to do. But when we come through to worship, we need to lay those aside. Because here's the deal. When we come through naked, we're in a place where he can choose to clothe us. And it might be that PJ, is much better like this, <laughs> it might be that he is saying, okay, God's given me this thing in terms of Sierra Leone and this is what I'm to do and that kind of thing. But if that's getting in the way, if he's holding that before him and God, he's not coming through to true worship. It can be that you've been a kid's worker. They'll all be out, so this won't work for them. Or been a youth worker for many, many years. And this is who you are. It's, defined, it's your identity. It's all those kind of things. But when we come through to worship, God can say, actually, I want you to do something else. I remember when I was leading uh, youth uh, many years ago, talking to Jenny Wright and saying, I wonder if God will give us a swap. Since I've had children, I've realized that God was not equipping me with early years abilities. <laughs> so, but how about that thing? How about those things? And laying those things down. What, what is it? Because actually we're coming, it's for God. It's not all those other things. Right, thank you. You can take that with you if you want. <laughs> okay, so in that sense, of course, it's not PJ that's a camel, it's all of us that are camels. So what do we need to take off? So that's the first picture I wanted to take in our minds. Let's whip on. Okay, good. You remember this picture? I've not blown it up very big. Um, Elspeth spoke from this. Um, part of the thing we see is a, a progression. So we have coming into the tabernacle, coming into the, the temple, that kind of thing. Then we have, as we progress here, we have the holy place, then we have the holy of holies. I think there is a sense that we have a, a temple progression in our worship. We start with thanksgiving, we come into a point of praise, and we come to worship. The interesting thing is worship, there's only room for one there. It's very much before God. It's not, it's not um, adulterated with anything else. It comes through. In fact, in some ways, I feel we often talk about, um, we talk about let's come to a time of worship. I think we're often not coming to a time of worship. I think we're coming to a time of thanksgiving. Um, or we're coming to a time of praise, which is fine. There's no problem with that. One time I had, was having this thought, I was leading the meeting. I said, now we're going to sing some songs. And Lynn Coles corrected me. Because I can't say if we're going to come to a time of worship, because I don't know what's going on between you and God. Sometimes I don't know what's going on between me and God, but... Right? But there is that, there's that progression in that sense. Oh, thank you. She's enjoying it. Right, okay. Gears of a bike. Um, when you jump on a bike, it, you can start, you know, gear one, or you can try and start with gear five. That's quite difficult. You can still do it, but there is, it's easier to progress through. So part of the thing about our time of thanksgiving that we've been having and we've been doing over the past, you know, year or so, is we've been actually exercising a muscle. Exercising a muscle. And when you get in the car, I don't know if your home is ever like this, but occasionally um, people say, why, did, why do you drive to church? You only live down the road. There is something about a car which enables you to pour your family into it, constrain them by the doors, and expel them at the other end. Obviously, that's not necessarily conducive to a time of worship. But even in the car, with the angst and the interactions going on, just between husband and wife, um, <laughs> we can choose to start to be thankful. And partly it's by our tongues. You know, our tongues can lead our mind and everything else. We can choose to start naming the things we're thankful for, and then we find actually the rest of us starts catching up, and we come into a place, that kind of thing. That's why we've got the forest of thankfulness here. 
Here's the other thing I want to pick up on, then I'm going to let Heidi say something. Um, as I was looking at this recently, what I was thinking is about is, is the perspective that changes, right? If you look at songs of thankfulness or even some of the things we've written that we're thankful for, it starts often with God and his interaction with me, right? Now, those of you from early years education stuff, you talk about children being egocentric, is that right? That term we still use? They see everything through their own perspective. And part of the maturing process is that we start to see things from other people's perspective. We start to see things. And I think we get that with, with thanksgiving and praise. So first of all, I'm thankful, God, for all that you've done for me, right? Then I'm starting to move into praise, and we're getting a little bit more universal with those things. I'm praising you, God, for what you've done. So I thank you, God, that you healed my snotty nose, right? I'm praising God for what you've done for us universally, and I'm worshipping you, God, for who you are. You know what? Actually, in the end, I don't have to feel um, that I met with God yesterday to come to a point of worshipping for who he is. Because it's really not dependent on where I'm at. To the fact that he's God. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he, he deserves and demands our devotion. In fact, it doesn't even matter in that sense whether I feel that God gave me, last time I came to his presence, he gave me a cloak of something wonderful and some ministry to do, or he gave me rags. The point is, he's still God and he's worthy of our worship and our devotion. So I think there's a thing about maturing as well. That we mature, we have to be thankful. There's no doubt to that. But actually, part of our thing is us maturing through. Losing ourselves and coming more to him. Maturing from our view to his view. This is so utterly, utterly, utterly different to the world view. You know, our worldview, uh, the, the view of the people around us, this view that's kicked out by the media all the time, is that of me, uh, everything, you know, if it's right for you, it's good for you, right? If it doesn't hurt anyone else, it's good for you. What's good for you? We, we become the, the central um, score sheet on everything. How do I feel about that? How, did, how do you respond? I don't like that. I like this. I mean, it's fascinating. I was listening to a speaker the other day. He said, the problem with equalities and the problem with, with rights is it doesn't tell you what is right. You know, I have a right to do this. I have a right to do that. There's a former prime minister who many of you will love and, and think was a wonderful lady. <laughs> she said, in society today, there's far too much about entitlements. What I'm owed. She says that, that society owes me something. But there's no such thing as society. There's people, there's communities, there's families. Poor blesser. She's been misquoted ever since. Partly because everything she said and did kind of supported the there's no society. Right? But what she's saying is, I was watching someone on one of these kind of benefits uh, program things and saying, oh, I, I don't want to receive charity. I don't want to go to food bank. I don't want to receive charity. I'd rather get benefits. <laughs> but you know what? Here's my thing. Why, sometimes we have to receive charity. There's a circle of life. You know, there's a big problem in society where older people or people who are particularly suffering with chronic illness feel that they are imposing on, on family around them, on people around them. But see, when I'm a baby, I'm dependent 
on people around me. There comes a time where I can start serving and be a net giver, net producer. And then there comes again, at the end, towards the end of our lives, where we have to depend again. And here's the thing. I can't pay back the people that cared for me when I was a baby. And I can't pay back the people that cared for me at the end of my life. There's a, there's a, there's a community contract there. They're paying it forward in unknown ways. Right, Heidi. Um, I've been thinking a lot about thankfulness this week, which I'm sure all of you have, and just really in the context of, of the tabernacle and that whole picture, and thankfulness is really the outer courts, and I've been thinking, uh, we've spent a lot of time in the outer courts this week together, and you know, our forest of thankfulness here at the back is, you know, a sign of how much we have got to be thankful for. And, and thankfulness, it's a social thing. We can get, engage with it with each other. Um, but it's also possible, or I would suggest it's possible, to walk through the courts and miss out and not be thankful. To have actually passed through this week and miss out, to walk through this morning and miss out on what's been written here. And we've got such a wealth. I overheard somebody saying, I've been here 20 minutes and I've only gone along one meter. I think, wow, that's amazing. We've got so much to be thankful for. But is it possible just to pass through the tent, the outer courts, the tent of thankfulness, and, and to miss out? Is it possible to miss out? And therefore... Is it possible to pass through the tent of praise? Is it possible even just to walk through the presence of God and actually miss it? Is that possible? Could we be here and be missing it? And um, so I was challenged to think, how I enter in the gate of thankfulness, how I engage in that time of thankfulness in that outer court prepares me, prepares my heart, for how I will be when I enter into that court of praise. It's equipping me to praise. And therefore then, how I am in that court of praise, how I enter into that court of praise, equips me, strips away, prepares me to meet face to face with God. I think there is that sense, um, particularly in the Old Testament, that meeting face to face with God that's a fear and trembling place. And I think so, how much more so if we have not entered correctly, if we've not entered his gates with thanksgiving, entered his courts with praise, we merely pass through and, and we miss out. And I think we've spent a lot of time of thankfulness, and that is good, and that's right, but it's the beginning of a journey. It's not the destination. It's not the end in itself. It's the beginning of our journey. Where we want to be is that face-to-face intimacy with God. And you, and you know, the good news is the curtain is torn. That's not just for the priest. That's for all of us. The curtain has been torn. And we can come into that place. We are welcomed into that place. But we have to enter correctly. We have to enter correctly. And that the other thing I was just thinking about before I got here, that actually... 
they came into the Holy of Holies, but they went out again, out into their communities, and you pass through that thankfulness and that sense of that's what we take back out with us into the community. And I was thinking, just even when I do the Peace Together course, part of that, um, we invite people into a time of, of what are they giving thanks for. And that's people from all walks of life and different faiths. And I sense that it's possible that we've got, we can invite people into our outer courts, um, but we want to be engaging them in that so that they can come into that place of meeting face to face with God. Grand. Okay, good. Right. So, um, Elspeth talked a little bit about uh, the tabernacle when she spoke, and I actually went back a bit, and I was thinking about this whole thing about Moses going up the Mount, uh, Mount Sinai, and that's where uh, he received the Ten Commandments, and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And actually, as I started to look at this, I started to see actually there's, there's some interesting things for us to look at, both in terms of the context of uh, that time, and also what he took away from it as well, and how that applies to us. So, just to recap on the story, the children of Israel, God's people, had been taken into activity, um, and had, had escaped by God's divine intervention. Some of you might be watching on Exodus the film. I don't know what that's like as yet, but anyway, they'd, been, they'd escaped, they'd passed through the Red Sea, all this kind of stuff, and... Um, and they came to Mount Sinai. And one of the things was this. Jethro, which uh, um, Moses' uh, father-in-law, was looking... I would go into these verses, but we'll, for speed, I'll just refer to them now. Was looking at what Moses was doing. And basically, from, from dawn to dusk, Moses was sitting out in front of the people, and any issues came before him, and he judged what they were going to do. Okay? And Jethro said to him, you can't carry on with this. This is not efficient. Um, You need to be pursuing God for the the key things for the nation and the real difficult cases you need to deal with, but find really worthy men who can become judges over the people and that kind of thing. So there was a thing about, there was a need to change the way things were being done. There was a need to, to, what I would say, was to find the correct technology for the time he was at, right? Technology is a term I want to keep coming back to, so if you don't understand what I mean, poor funny face, that would be... Different to your normal funny face. Right, thank you. I had a funny face. So let's, let's talk about technology. The wheel is technology, okay? The wheel in, enables us to take things of, of weight and move them over distances with less resistance, and it makes it easier. A computer is a technology. It allows us to calculate different stuff at a greater speed, those kind of things. We have different technologies for different ages. It's fascinating when you go back in history and see what technologies they used, how, you know, how water was used to power things, then steam, and then... Uh, different things. In fact, um, I don't know, anyone here seen um, uh, Back to the Future? Anyone here, uh, having seen Back to the Future, particularly Back to the Future 2, anyone approached 2015 and felt very disappointed? (laughs) Yes. Where's our hover things? Josiah was watching that a couple of years ago and he said, listen, we're only three years away from 2015 and cars are not hovering yet. We've not got that technology. Right, okay. So Jethro said, teach the laws and decrees. Teach the stuff. Let the people know the stuff. And it's interesting, we get into Exodus 19, God says, keep my commands, and you'll be a, my, my treasured people, you'll be a royal nation, you'll be a blessing to those people around. So then Moses goes up 
to Sinai. And what happens? The law's given. Okay? It's the Ten Commandments, but lots of other stuff as well. I would say the law is part of the way uh, to operate. It's a way to do things. There's a promise of an angel that will go before them. It was not necessarily a, a peaceful angel, but it was an angel who would go before them and make things possible. The covenant was confirmed. Okay? So what we've got? The angel is the power to achieve. The covenant is a commitment of God to us. And then we get the law itself is a way of proceeding. We get power, we get commitment, we get a way of going forward. That's what technology is, a way of going forward. So what are the outworkings of this ascent? Well, there is a sense, as I said earlier, there's a clear sound, a new commission, an unadulterated, pure blank page. Right? When we, when we come to clear sound, heck, it happened beforehand. I don't want to spend all this time going up the mountain, stripping off the baggage, all that kind of stuff. I want us to be going there and have an expectation that we would have a new commissioning. What's a commissioning? A commission is a, is a piece of paper that, uh, that a commander would give to an officer and say, right, this is, this is what you should do, this is your authority, this is, what, this is the area you can operate in. A commissioning, an area uh, to operate in. The other thing I think is quite interesting is this whole thing about abandon and... Um, I've said they're shedding, shedding cool, um, but not adopting emotionalism or hype. I remember some of our times, um, and actually some of our times quite some period ago, that when God would move upon us, it wasn't a lot of people <gasps> getting noisy, but God would just settle. And I want us to come back to that point where we, when we come together, whether it be in small groups, it's always got to be us with someone else. Jesus says when two or three are gathered, it can't just be on ourselves. Well, I think sometimes it can be on ourselves, but mostly when we come together, there's that sense that God presences himself. It's his promise. Yeah? And, uh, and we'll see God move on. So hopefully we'll get some time to look at that today. Right? Moses got the Ten Commandments, a technology for the age. Here's my question. What's God's technology for us? What's the thing he's going to give us for us to go and change the society we live in? I know Avril kicked off the prayer week. We're praying for government, praying for the politicians. We're coming to an interesting time. We've got a, a politics which is broken, a, an elite which is just serving itself. We've got injustice in our land. So there's injustice that we want to overcome and we're working to do things like that. We're all engaged in that through our relationship, our community, through the outworkings of things we're doing, some of you through your work. But we also want to see the presence of God as come. We want them both. I want justice and I want the presence of God. I don't want one or the other in that sense. So what's God's technology for us in that sense? There's a point about that ascension. I think when Moses went up the mountain, okay, he had troubles and things to consider, but I think he went up naked before God without all those things. Only when we lay aside things can be ready to review and receive the new or a new direction. Here's a cruncher. All the things we talked about are against the spirit of the age. Devoting ourselves to God, devoting ourselves to one another are against the spirit of the age. Actually, the spirit of every age. Self. Rebellion. 
Most, most things we come across, um, most difficulties face uh, are to do with someone who don't want to submit. And yet we see Jesus, the ultimate picture of submission, and the isms. Worship is, is without the narrative or tinted glasses of me. It's a devotion to God, submitted to him and to each other. I am not God. The spirit of the age says, I'm God. You can't tell me that. Actually, God can. You shouldn't say that to me. God can. He's God. Individualism in itself is the outworking of meanness. It says, I should have this. I should be focused on me. I think that's one of the great problems at the very heart of America is that it's totally tied up with individualism. I think that will continually be an issue. And, uh, and I think that will, that's, that's why it's always going to be restricted as a, as a nation in terms of the good it can do. Individualism is against community. It's against society. And here's a crunch. It's against family. And family is God's vehicle for making a difference. Family starts with a husband and wife, in that sense. And there's other ways that those things work. I'm not saying family only has to be with kids, but there's things. God, it talks in the Bible, God sets the lonely in families. Family is our unit of church. Family is the thing that makes a difference. And anything that, that works against family is the outworking of the spirit of this age, which wants to break us up as individuals. Yeah? I've said before, my iPhone and my iPad, the i. You know, what I was thinking the other day, I was thinking, you know, we really need to have more squabbling over TV. I don't know how it is in your house, but there's not much squabbling over TV channels. Because we've all got our own TV. We don't need to squabble, we ain't got to work it out. It's that working out that's, you know, that's the real guts of it. I think ism has its partners, the individualism has its partners. Feminism, I think, is an outworking of individualism. It's about me and I. It's about me trying to get things right. It's certainly not about we and us. Consumerism, it's the worship, that's the worship of the I, isn't it? I need this thing. I, I'm terrible, I'm, just by me going to Tesco's can increase the, uh, the bill by several amounts. I cannot resist those yellow labels, right? Okay? In fact, I'll tell you this thing, it's, uh, let me, let me, rather than you guys know my failings, let me tell you about failing about someone else in my house. Before Christmas, we went out to buy a sofa, right? A sofa which is a chair for many people. We went out and we bought uh, a Sherlock chair, which is a chair for one. We did not need it, but we bought the chair for one. We went out, and when a, another chair, a snuggle chair, which is a chair for someone with a big bottom, um, <laughs> when that was being eyed up, I said, I am not going, to, we went out for, to buy a sofa. As it is, we have all three now, because... <laughs> <laughs> but we get our eyes, that whole, that whole desire of the eyes. I've been seeing it recently, that grasping, that wanting, that thing... And I think for all of us, it plays up in lots of different ways. You know, for some of us, it will be uh, recognition and fame and all those kind of things. Other things, it's actual material stuff. And, and I know sometimes, I suppose, I'm, I'm more interested in popularity than I'm interested in, in things. And I can stand there and say, oh, look at them, wanting to be greedy about the things they have. But I, I forget that there's that greed within me that I need to exercise, I need to come out. Because actually, when I come before God, it's with nothing. 
It's nakedness. It's that kind of thing. So those, those isms are part of the spirit of the age. And here's the other thing. I'm, I'm due to write something on this. Anthony's challenged this. I think we live in a time where normal is not good. Particularly for those of us bringing up kids at the moment, how do we train our kids that the things that they're going to be told in school about society and the way things work are ultimately not what we believe in the Bible? How are we going to do that? I think we live in Nazi Germany. I think we're in a place where actually the things being said which are normal are things which are counter to the kingdom, and I think we have to consider how to do that, and we've got to find a way through, and yet still have hope. Let's still have hope for where we are. I have hope for our nation. There's more to come on this. Right, let me flip forward and then flip back. Next week, we're going to have a look at more at clear sound, what it's about. And I think there's two particular features. Um, there's, there's the thing of what I would call the clarion call. It's the, it's the trumpet announcement. I used to play a brass instrument. Daniel Jones is sniggering now. I used to play a brass instrument. There's nothing quite like brass. Stuff all this, woodwind stuff. Brass. Good manly instrument. Um, but there's something about the trumpet call, the declaration, that I think is what clear sound is about. But the other side is about having a certain sound about us, or I would say the, the attractive aroma in that sense. So there's a thing where I believe that part of our looking at clear sound will be about us um, hearing from God the declaration for our nation, the declaration for the nations. But also there's a thing about how we ourselves are going to be a, an aroma Something where people, when someone, when someone walks by or you come across someone, you think, that hand's burnt, he smells good. Yeah? <laughs> There's some laughing here, people are sitting close to him, obviously that's not their experience. <laughs> Don't, do you not want to have that when someone comes across you, comes into your presence, spends time with you, they say, I just want to be with this person because they smell good. Because it's not the smelling spell, it's something about them that makes them feel good. Some of you will have that. Some of you, people want to be around you and they don't know why. I talked to someone the other day who came to our carol concert and she said, I kind of didn't want to come, but I just had to come. They felt compelled to be amongst us. And then as she started to talk about what she'd experienced, she said it was just, I don't know, it just kind of felt good. I thought that's the aroma of Christ coming out of us. Right. What I want to dare us is this. So we go back a bit. I want us to take time now um, to, to come uh, into time of thanksgiving, praise and worship. I want to do something daring with you, okay? If you're sitting next to someone in a moment who is a slightly sleepy... <laughs> there was a lot of movement around the room there. I would like you to gently ask them to wake up for this bit because <coughs> what I'd like to do is this um, I want to show you two I want to show you two clips and I want to go into a time of I, I have to say time of worship because I can't think of another way to say it I want to come into a time of worship for the back of these things right the first clip is a non-Christian thing all right and what I want to show you is abandon in it Right? There's a point in this song where words are not enough for what this guy is expressing. Okay? And then I want us to go into another song which is very long. But let us join in with it. There's, a, there's, there's some lyrics in it where you can join in. It says, Forever, forever something. 
Forever he's glorified, forever he's lifted high. You can join him with that bit. I think we'll stand up as well. And then at the end of the song, someone comes and speaks, which is really quite good. Now, if it was a bit that you just were sitting and watching, then I'd never get away with this. But this is part of our worship, yeah? So we're going to use this song as a worship. Let me show you first, and we'll comment on that. So can we have the clip from once? And this will need us to have sound at the back. It's always that excitement. Will we get the start of the song or halfway through? Right, sorry, pause it, just pause it. I best give a bit of background. Okay, right, this is about a busker, okay? He decides to take out a loan to record an album. It's like every muso's dream. And this is a song he's singing about, and they're, and they're recording it, and they turn up this recording studio, and you'll see the guy who's got a massive mullet, and, and he's, uh, he's sitting there, he's thinking, these guys, they are off the street, they do not know what they're doing. And their music, he's kind of converted by their music to think, oh, this might be all right. But watch what happens in the song. A lot of you I've subjected this to before, so apologies.
Something, there's something spiritual about music. It can be good spiritual, it can be bad spiritual. But there's part there where he didn't need to say anything because that emotion came out. So many people have been subjected to me trying to do that in a small car. <laughs> I don't know what he said. Most of the lyrics I can't make out. you know. But I do know there's something there. Okay. Here's the other thing. I don't know if you, it's a bit distorted on the screen. Is I tell you what, they weren't very cool. I think so much of the time we are utterly trying to be cool. right? And some of you guys have got a good chance. Uh, some of you may have written the article I wrote about the Fonz not freeing the slaves. I don't think that Wilberforce was very cool. I think he was cool. I think he lost his cool. Now, for some of you, we'll be thinking, well, Daniel, you never had cool. This is true. That's Nathan. <laughs> the high point of my call was when, uh, when Laura Brewer asked to use our house for her 16th birthday party, and that was quite some time ago, and it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> a major milestone was when Josiah's friends, I saw him at a party, and they were all laughing at me. I said, why? I said, oh, yeah, we know the way you dance. And then when I watched Josiah in a show, he did, he did me dancing for the entire school. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the wall to remember that. Okay, so I admit I'm talking about something that I don't think is important, which I don't have. It could be sour grapes. But that whole thing about abandoned before God. I, I wish that Glenn hasn't, I wish he was abandoned before God. Because I know that, that this song is not what it's about. And uh, if we had much more time, I'd show you a number of other clips, particularly people in worship who are not cool. I don't want to be cool. I don't think that's what God has for us. You know, the Fonz didn't do anything. You know what cool is? It's a celebration of inertia. It's a celebration of inactivity. I think something for us as parents, I think we've got to try and help our kids. Probably we do it by example. I'm not sure what cool isn't. But for our young people, we've got to help them as well. And probably it's you lot that are older that invented cool in the first place. Yes. Angie Clay is nodding there. She was an ambassador of cool. She said Pink Floyd Live. <laughs> a height I will never reach. <laughs> Danger of having lose, lost the entire sermon, and that's the only thing you'll take back. Right. <coughs> right. This next clip. What I'd like us to do is, if you feel able, then, then stand or stand during the thing. It's quite a long clip and there is a guy that does stuff. At the I want us to use this as our worship now. Yeah? It actually goes through. We realise, Mark and I were looking at it earlier, realise it goes through. There is a point of thanksgiving thank you, and praise for what God's done. And it actually gets to declaring who God is. It gets to worship in that sense. So let's have a crack at using this. Yeah? Um, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll see where we go. The kids will join us and that'll be great. Um, and we may even get a time of, I just, want to, I just want to see the presence of God come amongst us. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Father God, we, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, we invite you here amongst us today. 
We do not want to have an impression of your life. We, w- we want to have the real thing. We don't want to skit over the surface. We don't want to have a, a tracing of what it is to live in your presence, what it is to worship you, what it is to serve you. Father God, we want to, we come, want to come forward and touch the real thing. We want to devote our lives to you. We want our lives to count for something and we want to throw them at your altar. Here we are, Father God. We are holy and devoted to you. Lord God. Lord God. Come Holy Spirit amongst us. Come Holy Spirit. Let's have that song.